And if you notice, Chris, I turned all the volume down a bit so it doesn't blow out anyone's eardrums anymore. My what? Oh, darn. <laughs> Your eardrums. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Chocolate. They're selling what? <laughs> Chocolate. You'll live forever. <laughs> no, no. He just goes up to the door. I love you. <laughs> oh, man. Early SpongeBob. Hello and welcome to this episode of Saved by the Belial, an atrocious Ultraman podcast where we continue to leave all the offensive jokes off the air. Uh, the show where we only have three Which minutes ones? to talk about an episode of Ultraman. I'm David. I'm Chris. And joining us is the laudable, praiseworthy Rob. How are you, Rob? Laudable and pla- praiseworthy. Well, now I'm great. I'm on. I'm on cloud nine. Uh, I'm feeling good. Glad to be here. Glad you're here. Uh, glad to be here, Tim. Uh, I feel like a sports <laughs> announcer suddenly for some reason. Are we talking about <laughs> curling tonight? I hope we're talking oh. about curling tonight. <laughs> curling with the boys after the podcast. That's that's the life. That I call a little curl. We could we could all just be living in Canada right now, and that could be our pastime. But instead, here we are, <laughs> trapped in the southern in the states. states, toiling away. Mm-hmm. Frick. But uh, Rob is joining us to talk about some lucky number Ultra Slevin tonight. But Ooh. before we do that, what's in the Ultra Box? <laughs> we figured we'd let Rob talk about himself a little here. I uh, I realized with episode number one, I was a little harsh by telling Kyle no one wanted to hear about his personal personal life. But Rob, if you wouldn't mind, just... he did proudly tell us he was married, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but just talk about yourself a little bit. You know, I know you have a podcast under your belt. Uh, anything yeah. else that maybe the listeners think you should, well, that they might want to know about? Sure. Uh, well, my name's Rob. I'm a, I'm a host on Tokyo Hi, Lives. Uh, it's a giant monsters podcast. It's generally goofy, generally too extremely goofy, I'd say. Um, and uh, yeah, personal life. I'm just, uh, I write goofy stories about superheroes. I'm working on a very... A uh, very long-lasting audiobook that I'm finally getting to the point where it's like I can publish it, and I'm feeling very good about that. Um, and yeah, I uh, I'm just a, a normal, just a little te- little Texas, little town Texas boy <laughs> living his big kaiju dreams with a mustache and a motorcycle, with a mustache, motorcycle, and a mullet. <laughs> and the mullet is glorious. I I'm glad to hear that you're still working true. on the audiobook though. Yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, Adventures of Speedster and Shield Guy. It's uh, a superheroic comedy about best friends trying to save the world and pay rent. Uh, guess which God, one's hard? Tough. Turns rent. Out. Uh, <laughs> As a former landlord, that's awesome. 
So, Rob, we, we didn't really get into it with the bonus episode because we had so many other things to talk about. We were oddly fascinated with shins on our episode. And it's true. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is becoming a thing for us now. And uh, mm-hmm. I just thought, giving us the leg up. <laughs> we all have thought, a, we all have our fetishes, you know, and some people are into shins and that's OK. We're just one step above Tarantino. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally. Two steps. Tarantino heard the word step and got a little. Well, no, I mean, if you think about heavy. it, feet and what do you get upwards? Shin. Ankle. And then right up to the chin. Listen, we're. It goes Quentin Tarantino at the feet, Bill Clinton at the ankles, us at the there shins. There you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to leave all that up. In Tokyo, in the new podcast, Tokyo Drift for the need for speed. There we go. And I just thought about too. You could talk about initial D on there. I huge, oh, huge, no. huge initial D fan. Oh my gosh! Can we? I can spend the next thirty minutes talking about initial D. If we, like, I'm sure you could. <laughs> I'm sure you could. But uh, <laughs> we want to talk about the other initial D, Ultraman. So, yeah. Rob, what's your history with Ultraman? Like, how did you end up finding yourself show watching this wonderful franchise? So, um, my first like proper Ultraman show that I sat down and watched the whole thing was when they started doing, uh, Ultraman Z, uh, on YouTube. Uh, it was, you know, right in the middle of quarantine. It was the perfect time to properly, cause I had seen Ultramans. I had seen them in the background of things. I, uh, being a fan of trash cinema. Uh, I'm a big fan of a little known film uh, uh, called a uh, Hanumajin uh, and the seven ultra brothers. <laughs> and perhaps you've heard of that. Oh, I have. Um, and uh, <laughs> additionally, like other weird things where you've had Ultraman in the background, but the first show I watched stem to stern was Ultraman Z or Z. As soon as that ended, I had uh, some other podcaster friends reach out and they said, you have, uh, we know your taste. You have got to watch uh, Zone Fighter, which is kind of a knockoff. It's kind of like, you know, like, what if we just did Ultraman again, but with Godzilla for real this time? Uh, and that show, I just every second of it, I just was head over heels. Uh, and that was right around the time that I started doing the like TV show spinoff of Tokyo Lives, Tokyo Signals, which David uh, graciously joined in for an episode. Um, and so I've been watching a lot of like just straight up tokusatsu shows. And I mean it when I say that tokusatsu has had such a, like a powerful positive impact on my mental health. It's just so goofy and fun and lighthearted. It's like ultra seven until it's not until. Okay. True. (laughs) Fair. I, so far I've watched uh zone fighter, Ultraman Z, uh, a lot of Seven and a lot of Ultraman and Ultra Q. So mm. I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sticking mostly to Showa is my like my niche, but I think eventually I'm going to like, uh, you know, stumble into the later seasons. Uh, I've heard Geed and Orb are really good. Yeah, so. it depends on what you're looking for. I think that's the awesome thing about Ultraman is there are so many different options that, yeah. you know, despite popular opinion, really don't have to consume everything, right? You can just yeah. be like, yeah, I don't have to watch this. But depending on what you want, there's a show for you. And even within each era, 
they're all so unique that it yeah. doesn't feel like you're watching the same stuff over and over, which is really nice. Yeah. No, I, I, I can already tell just from like the few little brief glances I've had at like um, Orb and Geed that they are very different shows. <laughs> Uh, I've also watched a little bit of Tiga, uh, but I specifically requested that we watch the horrendously bad Fox. Uh, the uh, dub. The dub. I've heard it's horrible. I loved it. I loved every <laughs> second of it. It's so bad. It has no respect for the source material, no. even a little. Uh, it's like, that monster's disgusting. It looks like my wife. <laughs> You're right. It does oh look God. like your wife. <laughs> it's like, it's truly bad bafflingly bad that's my butthole award <laughs> yes if you wanted an entire arc where like the entire it's no longer saved by Blyle, it's just like show me your butthole the podcast or aim for his butthole the podcast <laughs> show me your butthole. sorry that's a that's a that's a hat my friend owns i'm sorry cut that out <laughs> now one of our guests has given us a podcast he's got a he's got a baseball cap that says that on it do i have to put like an after dark tagline to this episode <laughs> i'm so sorry there's two, there's two, two strikes things I could, I, there's two things i could promise you about this episode you've got a tokyo lives co-host on it it's going to be the longest episode of saved by the belial you've ever had the second thing i can promise you you're gonna have to edit some stuff out <laughs> we don't do that I'm here pretty yeah. PG. for a family friendly podcast i think i'm the most Oh, Cameron's the most PG member of the crew. I'm the second most PG. And then you got Kyle a little bit higher than that. And then you have Marissa, Kyle's wife. And boy, oh boy, there's some episodes where I've just literally had to bleep her. If this ends up being a family friendly episode, it's like a family of like 60 year olds with 35 year old kids. Mm -hmm. They're adult children. Exactly. It's for you. Listen, family is what you make it. And that's what Ultra 7 has taught me. And I love Ultra 7. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm here for Ohana today. means making butthole jokes. <laughs> Ohana means butthole. <laughs> so, Chris, do you have any questions for Rob uh, before we uh, start our uh, house cleaning? Would you watch my new movie, King Kong vs. Godzilla 97? Absolutely, I would. Thank you. No further questions. <laughs> Will you donate to his GoFundMe? A hundred percent. Are you kidding me? Yes, I, I'll star in it. I'll make. I'll film the whole thing if you give me a script. I, I mean, I think I only want to do a Kickstarter because if I do that and I don't make it, I don't have to return the funds. That's true. But GoFundMe might get a little weird with that's that. You know. Well, well, that's true. That's true. Is there a is there a spot for a naked Bashimi? Because he would do a good job for that. That's true. I will write a spot for if you donate to my movie at the ten dollar tier. <laughs> Do you want me to um, send you, you a link? Can see, I've got the link to I that, can, that sketch. Um, <laughs> with the $10 tier. There we go. Yeah. Donate $5 to Monsters vs. Men's Patreon to get that link. <laughs> All right. Uh, so house cleaning wise, we don't have any new reviews to share. But Chris, I thought you could oh. read the listener feedback we got from uh, She Who Shall Not Be Named, a.k.a. <gasps> Pre, a.k.a. our first oh. guest on the show. Oh, Wow, for someone we can't name. Yeah, you just, we just you named. not only named them, but then like gave them like a like two proper titles. Two honorifics. Yeah. yeah. Frick. Um Yeah, let me read it. Okay. I'm listening to the seven episode right now, and you, you being we, mentioned something about questioning why the Pegasa aliens didn't respond to Earth signals in the episode The Dark Zone. 
I think this episode is really where the theme of the show of the dangers of paranoia and real politics kick into gear. Take a look at how almost every alien race encountered in the show is a bunch of a-holes, <laughs> that's our theme, trying to take over the Earth. Ultra 7 and huma- humanity ostensibly are exceptions and Dan wants to fight as hard as he can so humanity doesn't have to be forced to be the same just to survive. In other words, I believe the Pegasa aliens were silent because they fully expected humanity to to be dicks, like the Pedan aliens or Metrons. And you know what? We sure proved them right. (laughs) (laughs) Take that. Oh, boy. I love rising to meet expectations set for me. Thank you for that feedback. That was a good (laughs) good read. thank you, Prey. We just launched the jokes right after, but that was a good feedback. Yeah, that was good. All right, I think it's time for the conversations. Episode 21, Pursue the Undersea Base. See where I get it from, Chris? Yeah, I do. (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate it. The Ultra Guard launches a probe when a cargo (laughs) ship is dragged beneath the waves. Allegedly, the boat had sent out an SOS about a ship (laughs) resembling a long-since-scuttled battleship Yamato rising from the waves. Finally, the battleship reappears. It is identified as Iron Rocks, a massive robot, and it begins firing on the port. Uh, uh, firing on the port it has appeared near, destroying the docks and dozens of vessels. The true master of Iron Rocks, Mimi, appears and taunts Ultra Seven before assaulting him and chaining him to Iron Rocks, dragging him into the water. And there you go. <laughs> Chris, actually, both of you guys, I have to ask, did you know what y'all were looking at when Iron Rocks first appeared? No. Uh, okay, when he first showed up, I thought that the monster was actually like a weird crustra- crustacean because only the little tiny view, like the very top of the ship comes out. Mm. And I thought, oh, it's a crawdad monster. And he wanted me to watch this because it's a, a crawdad monster. And it's going to be a show about a crawdad monster. And I'm from the South. It's a crawdad. <laughs> <laughs> that's what mm. i thought but i was very wrong because the next time it pops up it's very clearly like a rusty old chunks of a battleship yeah but if it was hot would it be a crawdaddy uh yeah a sugar crawdaddy <laughs> yeah oh my gosh. <laughs> i don't know if you'd want to put sugar on crawdad actually now that i think about no. it like no, no, you gotta get that. it's got it's a savory meat yeah 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 <laughs> a savory cockroach <laughs> it's crawdad oh, so good though. If it's, it's done right. If it's done right. That's but um yeah, so interesting episode here. I mean I don't know about you guys, but having yeah, a a battleship being the antagonist, it's just it's so strange. I don't feel like hmm. any show could have really pulled it off the way that Ultra Seven did. Like this wouldn't have fit an Ultraman. And I just I don't see it really fitting with these other shows. Hmm. What about Matragon? You know, one about the submarine. I think what made it interesting is that it's not just that it's a, a battleship, but it like specifically it's like there's so many treasures in the ocean and I'm pulling it all together to, you know, like become wealthy. So in my head, I kind of saw the end goal as making this horrifying like Death Star of undersea debris. I thought that's what this thing was eventually going to come out on land as. So I'm, I am kind of sad that it was just like, you know, a boat kind of floating on the water, (laughs) but ultimately 
I still really appreciate the design because anything that looks like rusted and beaten down and like weathered, like I love dilapidation. So like the monster design in this is it's like, yeah, I can relate. It's like a Marie Kondo quote. I love dilapidation. (laughs) (laughs) So what's funny, you said you say that. And I my my comment, I was going to say underwater episodes without my boy Gubla don't spark joy. (laughs) (laughs) Are we on the same obscure wavelength right now? No, freaking that's amazing. I love that we don't share notes. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) it's interesting too that the the bad guy we get a couple episodes this time around where Ultra Seven doesn't actually save the day, like it's really the Ultra Mm -hmm. Guard picking up the slack. Uh, Absolutely, I think that's probably one of the most interesting things is that yeah, specifically in this like batch, and it's a it's a hoot. It's very good. Episode 22, The Human Farm. And... <laughs> I, I really love... And I'm here on my human farm. I lost my truck and my wife last week. I'm here on my human farm. And there's a guy with an axe for a head. Oh... For a head. For a head. <laughs> I haven't done country voice in a while. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> do I still need to try to read? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you got it. I believe All in right. you. <laughs> All right. Um, as you've heard, episode 22, The Human Farm, and witnesses a UFO abduct a woman who is then found washed up on the beach, harboring a strange parasite in her body that is causing her body's chromosomes to rapidly decrease. The Ultra Guard investigates as several saucers rise from the oceans, and they find out a horrible truth. The aliens are infesting the women with spores to convert all of Earth's women into incubators for their food. My gosh. <laughs> yeah, Rob and I were talking about that before you jumped on. I was like, I have to figure out the right song. He's like, what about Farming Simulator? I'm like, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, man. That's Nailed good. it. So hopefully you don't get hit with like a cease and desist for that. Uh, yeah, well, someone would have to listen. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> someone from uh, their hey, recording company. Hashtag justice for John. What happened to that good boy dog? I miss him already. Yeah, what a terrible villain this one had. Truly. You know that website that says if the dog dies or not? Yeah. I didn't know I would need to consult this site for this show. Messed up, man. See, I no one told me. I didn't think the dog died. I just, I figured whoever stole the dog spilled some red paint because they're being very careless. So I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh. (laughs) He was trying to paint a large sign that said, I stole your dog. Well, I just Sorry. figured, you know, maybe the dog was preventing some illicit vandalism, right? Oh, just, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my my head cannon. Uh, it just after the last episode when I said that these there were those aliens that were just like straight up d bags, you know, the ones that were just mean. Yeah, uh, I've changed my mind. This is the worst villain the Ultra franchise has ever produced. Wow. You know what I love about this episode? Huh? No. And I quote, "It's like a human farm." <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just makes me think of the the Simpsons meme. They're like, "Say it." 
Say it. Say the line. Yeah. Oh, it's like a human okay, yeah, farm. You got Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Uh, this this episode was very interesting, but also ha- like, and I'll talk about this more in uh, towards the end of the the episode. But like, it does introduce a, a problem that basically removes any uh, distance uh, uh, tension uh in how ultra how fast uh ultra seven can fly from oh, yeah. saturn to here uh also the fact that like mean? the big problem can be resolved just with like yeah there's a radiation a radioactive meteorite on a random planet that you can't get to uh anyway i sure hope that's not relevant at all goodbye <laughs> and then dan walks out of the room and then like yeah <laughs> uh it, it does feel like the big problem is, I mean, again, it's resolved by the, the ultra team, which is cool. But the fact that we unfortunately don't get to see uh ultra seven, like the two stories don't feel super connected. Like no. the resolution should have probably been something like the aliens had or was on earth or something where he had to save the day and fight the aliens. And then he could have gotten the thing. And that would have been a really cool resolution to the story. And it would have been neat to do that. I guess, you know, it's worth saying, ah! Okay, new podcast for you, Tokyo Bids, where you just auction a bunch of like Godzilla toys. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Because that was good. That was good. Our, Episode 23, Search for Tomorrow. After the Ultra Guard rescues a fortune teller named Yasui, he explains that he is the target of alien invaders. Equipped with a device to help them find the aliens, the group manages to find face of the shadow who feign a surrender before bursting to reveal their final weapon. The monster that they accidentally call Gubula, but really it's Gabura. Uh, Gabura. They put Gubula. No, it's it's pronounced uh, Gubia. Oh Uh, yeah, because it's a double L. Gubia. There you go. Uh, George (laughs) Gubia Bush. Uh, Oh yeah. Old W proves to be a tough opponent for the giant hero, but Dan is able to behead it with the ice slugger. The shadows release Yasui, but he warns Ultra 7 just in time as Gubia's head reanimates. Uh, before we hit the timer, we made a comment before how like some of these descriptions, it's like the first five minutes of the episode. And then this one mm-hmm. actually goes the full gamut. So this basically stops like two seconds before the ending. I know. There's one more sentence well, and you'd have the full episode. Honestly. <laughs> the taxi. That turns into a truck. Uh, Yasui's great. I think I love the fact that his shoes were so weird and good. I know it's probably supposed to be like, hey, look, he's wearing the clothes you'd expect a stereotypical Middle Eastern or story Middle Eastern storyteller to wear, or whatever. But I love them. I love them to death because they're like literally classic Japanese, like seventies, like. Uh, business casual shoes but with a weird little whoop Mm. on top a little elf curl love that (laughs) uh the fact that immediately the captain is like i absolutely believe the storyteller with my life i will trust no one who says anything bad about this fortune teller uh and it's rosa i've just i've only had him for an hour but if anything happens to him i'll kill you and then myself (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i mean think about it though like they're fighting monsters and aliens all the time. Yes. Why is it so hard for them to believe that a fortune teller the, could exist? The fact that 
yeah, the fact that literally everyone else in the entire Ultra Guard is like, being able to tell the future, that's dumb. Anyway, I'm going to go fight an alien that can exist in four dimensions. (laughs) (laughs) Truly wild. Yeah. but very fun. Um, I, I, I did get very confused as to what exactly was happening in this episode with like the, like his second prediction. I was like, okay, the captain gets hurt. And then you see like the, like spacecraft landing. And I wasn't sure what, where the story was going for a second until you have them all kind of like, we found the invisible, uh, aliens with like a little like sniper sk- uh, me- uh, Megatron mm-hmm. sniper gun. And then Dan fights the invisible alien and it's so good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it falls and appears which uh, the effect was great. Yeah. They, they, they pan the camera really quickly and then the camera stops and that's when they make the guy visible and usually you would just like make the person visible when the, pan- the camera's panning really fast but they panned it held the camera there <laughs> turn the camera off, put the person like falling onto the ground and started the camera up and cut right there. Really good stuff. Hey man. Um, it was also, I, you know what? I'm glad that you see, gets some peace at the end and is like, Oh, thank gosh. I'm not psychic anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's crazy because, uh, is it Soga or Amagi? Who's like, they are one of the ultra guards. Like, man, I would love to have ESP, but like, it's a curse for him. Right. And it's interesting. We don't think about that. Like these things that people have, you know, maybe even they're good at music. Maybe it's not something they want. Maybe it's something that brings them a lot of stress, but we're just like, I want it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that transition. All right. Are you guys ready for episode 24? Yeah. This one's about the, uh, the end of the civil war. (laughs) <laughs> this yeah <laughs> there's a there's a comic i read forever ago uh in which uh the uh the confederates find a way to make zombies a thing and the last panel is uh general lee standing in front of like an army of zombies they're still like, coming back from the dead and the last line is like the south will rise again so whenever someone yeah. makes a joke about the civil war that's the first image that pops into my head um huh. so <clears throat> Episode 24, Return to the North. Uh, Furuhashi lost, uh, loses control of his plane, uh, loses control over his plane over the Arctic, <laughs> crashing into a commercial aircraft. The UG, Ultra Guard, is asked to investigate. A lighthouse in the vicinity re- uh, releases beams of colored light that transform into an aurora. The lighthouse, which has been, uh, uh, which is being operated by a pair of Canaan have claimed the Arctic as their own territory. Dan releases Wyndham, his capsule monster, on the lighthouse, intending to to destroy it. The lighthouse fires a beam that confuses the mind and mind controls Wyndham, sending it back at Dan to destroy him. This, okay, this uh, synopsis avoids the most important aspect of this, which is basically like, uh, I'm like the ultra guard launches a, like an airplane up into the North. It gets sprayed mm-hmm. by the color rays. They lose co- the guy, random ultra guard unit. Yeah, it's number five. Hashi. It's just some random guy. Uh, and he plows into a, like a private, like a, like a public airplane, like just a 
a jet that was a passenger jet carrying a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Then that happens exactly the same again with Furuhashi, where he's flying in um, Hawk 2 or whatever and starts to fly and he loses control. And then the guy is like, hey, uh, activate the self-destruct. Also, your mom's here. I'm really sorry about this. <laughs> So we activate self-destruct and it's this really tragic scene. And we're like, really? Oh my gosh. We're so scared about our main character. Uh, at the very last second, obviously Dan saves the day, which allows our, our, our boy to get control of the airship again. But here's something that uh, is really important to note. He gets control of the ship again, avoids crashing at the last second into the passenger plane and then turns off the self-destruct. So the self-destruct would have happened after he crashed into the airplane. Oh, there I would know. have been an air on head on collision. All the passengers would be flung out of the, the two spaceships. And then suddenly the detonation would have happened. <laughs> Better than hitting the ground. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two planes crash and then explode, ensuring that not a single person survives. If the, if the, like, you know, timer had of like, you know, turned off or had of like exploded earlier or something. And then he had to like, you know, he turned that off as soon as he got control. But no, he literally has to dodge the airplane before he crashes into it. Also, Wyndham's great. Also, the weird, uh, oh my gosh, what's the name of that monster? Uh, 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 Gant, Gandrin, Gandrin? No, wait, that's later. Yeah. What's good for the goose is good for the Gandrin. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, this is a. Uh, I, I posted something on Twitter about it the other day, but Dan's face when he picks up the phone before everyone else is just pure beauty. There's he's, so he's, many good. Yeah. This show is filled with so many good reaction images from the Ultra Guard. It really would be. I cannot stress enough how you can, like, any time the Ultra Guard is on screen, you can take a screenshot and make it your profile picture, and it's like perfect stuff. Mm hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it wouldn't be Ultraman if it didn't have a plane crash, though, right? That's I true. Mean, that's what started the show. That's very, very true. But yeah, I, uh, I that the fact that like the explosion would have happened after the crash is just so funny to me. And it would have sounded like that. <laughs> Pretty close. Let's see. All right, episode 25, showdown at 140 degrees below zero. After Dan becomes trapped in a snowstorm, he is ordered to get out of the pointer and run to headquarters, which Dan is reticent to do, giving his species weakness to cold, (laughs) among no other reasons, just that one. Um, Suddenly, with a shake and rumble, the lights in the headquarters go out as the power dies. Someone has bored into the base with a drill to kill the power. <gasps> Worse still, there's just one thing upon another. A monster appears in the darkness, breathing frigid air into the base. <gasps> hey, Chris. Hey, David. It looks like Don Don could have used a tauntaun. Ah. <laughs> Literally every monster right. in this uh, is good. so fun. Uh uh, Gandar is just a treat. He's like a weird slug. He okay. T- uh, take slug eyes, attach it to okay. the worms from Beetlejuice, the sandworms, and then give mm-hmm. them a, a starfish, a giant starfish backpack. <laughs> I love this dude. What a weird, goofy design! And like his eyes are like kind of closed, so he looks sad in every shot that he's in. Uh, That's true. Uh, 
and I love, love, love the the pole or prole or whatever the they alien are. Pole. The what? Yeah, alien pole. They're so awesome. They're <laughs> just these little tiny bouncy like string puppets that appear in fire and talk to Dan psychically to like mess Alvin with him. And the chipmunks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely incredible. Uh, that's one of the things that makes the show so good is the molts like use of every practical effect, anything we can throw at the wall to show off what's happening in weird ways. Mm-hmm. They do mm-hmm. whether it's suitmation, like puppet animation, uh, puppet animation, I guess, uh, weird like you know like puppetry where this like with these guys or just like the miniatures that they just really utilize uh this episode specifically focusing on the uh the ultra guards so much and having them be like really a the heroes again but b more importantly like the reason that like the pole aren't gonna destroy earth is really cool yeah um, one thing I didn't understand or thought was supposed to be really important for like later episodes, but maybe it wasn't is it's like, Oh, because you got so cold, Dan, now yeah. your powers are always going to be a little bit weaker. And then they don't really utilize that much except for one time when he tries to see through metal later on, uh, at least in the batch of episodes that I watched here. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, like in the zero movie, there's cold and that's not brought up. So it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to say here. Um, how do you guys feel about Miklas though? Like, uh, St. Miklas. <laughs> I just, I love, love uh, Miklas Piklas. He's, I love, okay. So his horns have that like old bowling pin coloring where it's like white, <laughs> but then like tipped with red or blue. Yeah. Uh, he has a lion's mane, but made of leaves and vines. He has, and he's got a big tiki man head, and I love it. He's so good. Yeah, more Michaelis, please. Yeah, it's just not fair. Dan unleashed him just so he could find his eye. (laughs) It's like what a jerk move. Um, (laughs) guys, I do have an announcement to make. So while we were recording that episode, I got a text, and it says Night Connect. Connect with 124 local ladies in Kansas City online. Call 816-335-3000 and connect. What was that number again? Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. You're going to have to blank out that number because they are not paying us for ad time. Yeah, wait a minute. (laughs) 816-335-3000. Oh, my God. Send them an invoice, David. (laughs) We just read that number twice. There are 140 single women in David's area who need food nope. and shelter. Nope. One text me back. 123. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I got, I got a friend of mine got like the weirdest like spam message ever, which was like, Hey, it was like, it wasn't Aaron. It was like, uh, Anson. Hey Anson. I had so much fun last night. You know, I just wanted to like send you a message and like, see like what's up. And then when my friend was like, hey, sorry, I'm not Anson. I don't know who that is. They were like, oh, I guess someone gave me a fake number, but you sound cute and cool. Do you want to talk? <laughs> like all oh he said God. straight up was like, some people live the dream. I, I, it's, <laughs> I wish you know, I listen, sounded cool via text. <laughs> they're definitely. Yeah. Listen, Frick, man. Chris, there are spam bots out there. Who will make you feel? There's a spam bot for me. There's a spam bot for everyone. 
Oh, oh. I think we can just end the episode now. Sweet. There we go. All right. <laughs> episode 26, Super Weapon R1. The Ultra Guard extols the virtue of the weapon, the R1, which is capable of producing the force of 8,000 hydrogen bombs, which is not <gasps> over 9,000. But Dan oh. is chilled. Oh. oh, Rob, here you go. Chill. See? Cold. Uh, at the destructive he's so power, cold. believing it to be an impediment <laughs> to a permanent peace in the universe. Its creator chooses the planet Gearon far away and seemingly uninhabited for a test. But a being from the planet Gearon mutated <laughs> moo, moo, farm stuck on the brain to a monster oh, yeah. and races toward Earth, proving that incorrect. <sighs> this episode. Uh, man, I, uh, I, it, okay, it's heavy handed. I'll yeah. admit, it really just pushes forward the like you know, uh, the message very, very directly and cleanly, um, of like being very anti nuclear proliferation because the entire idea that this episode is leaning on is just like build bigger weapons constantly. And everyone in the Ultra Guard's like, it would be so cool if we had even more bigger and crazier weapons. And their response to this big, crazy monster is a bigger, crazier -er weapon. Um, and Dan's reaction to this is immediate disgust. Mm -hmm. And I get that it's heavy-handed. I get that it is not even trying to be a metaphor. I, I don't I love think it. it's heavy-handed. I think it's oh. absolutely appropriate. It's just it's such a sobering episode to me like yeah as soon as i start it i'm like oh god it's this episode again like yeah it a little little uh trivia so this monster starbam gearon shows up in a later show and people were actually upset because they didn't like the fact that such a meaningful monster was taken out of that context and put into something yeah. less serious sure that makes sense yeah so yeah. what about what about you, Chris? Kind of what was your because I know you definitely have something to say about this one. I know. Yeah, I think especially starting with just the Godzilla podcast, it's hard to ignore episodes like mm -hmm. this. Um, yeah, it's I, I do love like it fits the theme of the series so well that um, especially Ultra 7 it's such an interesting context yeah. to bring in the discussion of nuclear proliferation. Yeah. In this series where it's like the whole Ultra series is like, how can we talk? How can we make peace? Yeah. But Ultra 7 is, has been challenging us to look at like pretty villainous, like no compromise villains. Yeah. So maybe in Ultraman, we'd all be like, well, duh, <laughs> this is bad. There's bone monsters who just want to go back to their bone beds. But um, this one's like, well, no, some of them are just straight up bad. Yeah. So yeah. where does this come? Where does this play when there's like some of these just straight up? evil and i really like like the 20 minutes of making him a formidable kaiju that's sympathetic yeah that you're like yeah he's he's destroying stuff but it's not like well i mean it's understood we, we, it's more than that too he's like literally poisoning the earth and the the final shot like the end of the battle where it's just like all the toxic fallout on top of those beautiful like that field of flowers mm. uh is such a poignant powerful ending i'm sorry to cut you off david nope, jump in there going. we'll we'll go past on this one it's really good if uh, check it out <laughs> <See ya. laughs> yeah we'll, we'll give ourselves another minute for this one
Yeah. Uh, I I adore this episode. Uh, my girlfriend was the one who called it heavy-handed, and I saw David's reaction at first, and I thought that you were uh, in the same boat. So I was Mm-mm. like, "Hey, listen, I understand that it's like you know, it, but like it's like how can you take, uh, how can you take this message, parse it down in a way that any viewer at any age range can watch mm-hmm. and understand and digest." the horror of the cold war. And that's what they did. And they did it dang well. If yeah. you ask me. See, the thing that bothers me about this episode in a good way is the fact that, you know, Gieron or Starbem Gieron sounds like yeah. a Jewish rabbi. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't have existed without the R1. Right. Yeah. So we created this monster. He's flying to earth, but we don't know why. And then Dude lands on the earth and is just hopping around. Like, yeah. he's not doing anything. That's the thing that I'm sitting here and being like, he doesn't even seem like an immediate threat, but the Ultra Guard's first decision is just to drop bombs. And yeah. then clearly at that mm-hmm. point, they're like, well, we need to keep making these same mistakes that yeah. we've already been making. And that's to me is just this, this trap you get into with, we talked about this idea of the myth of redemptive violence, where it's like, yeah. well, What's interesting to me throughout history is that if peacemaking doesn't work once, we're going to quit and be like, well, it didn't work. But then we're going to keep trying war and (laughs) nukes and all these different things when clearly they didn't work the first time, but we want to keep hedging our bets there. Yeah. But then any form of peacemaking, we're like, ah, it didn't work once. We're just going to quit. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something, David, and it's going to break your heart a little bit, but there's cash money and bombs. There ain't no cash money in treaties. Mm-hmm. It's never been beneficial to anyone in power. This is our next 40 seconds. Gotta get that oh, cash yeah, money. I didn't know you had a, <laughs> uh, as bleak as that sounds, there is always going to be a profiteer, profiteer profiteerizing from this. Oh, so there is, there is an angle that is missed here. Uh, specifically, they're focused in on the, the aspect of human nature of wanting to protect yourself with like, you know, violence at all costs. I will just wipe out the enemy so that I will be safe. But there's an extra layer outside of just that fear that exists, which is like, you know, there's also a, a, a big profit motive in the, the war industry. Um, so like, yeah, man, as tragic as it is, like, I don't know. It hits, it hits deep. Uh, Them's the grapes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's a saying, but it is now. Them's the grapes. Them's the grapes of wrath, as they say. (laughs) On Veggie Tales. (laughs) They being uh, us. (laughs) Speaking of Veggie Tales, let's Veggie Tale the story of this cyborg. Oh my god! If I had an opposite huh? of that cheering button, I would do that right now. Uh, you don't have a boo button. Why are you booing you... me? I know you're most of you are not ghosts. Are you saying boo or boo ends? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> episode twenty-seven, Operation Cyborg. As the Ultra Guard Beep, investigates boop, an abandoned, oh, uh, as the Ultra Guard investigates an. Ab- uh, an abduction involving a mysterious ship and an engaged pair of Soga's friends. Uh, through though the woman is found on the beach, her fir- her future husband 
uh, Nogawa is altered by the alien Borg in hopes of using him as a tool to further their inv- invasion. When he returns, Dan's suspicions uh, as to his demeanor lead him to tail Noga- Nogawa. There we go. Following his path, Dan finds a trail of bodies and raises the alarm, though Nogawa disappears before he can be caught. Man, that only captures like two-fifths of the episode. It's wild how that much rough. that misses. You're not wrong at all. That's a rough description. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much after that, we've got like a series of like them finding a bunch of bombs that Nogawa's planted all around the, the base, uh, which are all these little cute Pokemon balls. I love that. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's not, I mean, it's not, it doesn't seem like he's really cybernetic at all. He can teleport through matter at one point. He's got metal in his head, okay? He's a oh, he's cyborg. A, that counts. That's fair. Um, I have metal. Uh, behind my teeth i'm a cyborg okay that counts hey man I have glasses resistance is futile <laughs> <laughs> i d- i did lose my mind when they were called the alien borg and i for a moment i was like is it possible that this impacted next generation i don't know i can't prove anything that's just a fan theory um I love alien Borg's giant form when it like shapes into its like full metal. Like at first it's just two gals with like pale face makeup on. And then they trans one of them transforms into this big iron maiden with like a pseudo, uh, like, Oh my gosh, what's the, the, uh, the phantom of the disco. Did you guys ever watch that movie? It's weird. Don't no. watch it. But the point is shows up with like a colander stapled to her head and starts fighting Ultraman in like a weirdly like fast forwarded fight for a little bit. And then like, finally it gets real. Um, I do like that. It ends with uh Nogawa uh, re like uh, getting engaged because he breaks off the engagement after he gets cyborgified. And I was like, no, which that um, makes me wonder. Cause the bomb disappears, right? We never see that last bomb explode. Yes. Which makes me think Dan put it in the trunk of the car. <laughs> Oh no! Oh my goodness, Dan! What? <laughs> Not on my. No one will be happy on my watch. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Seven's really bitter. He had a very, uh, what would you say, rebellious son in Ultraman Zero. So he's just taking it oh. out on everyone. So is this pre? Mm. Is it? But this is pre Zero. Zero's not even probably born yet. Seven See, becomes. But that's the thing before is, it's zero. before like release order but who oh. knows where it happens in the chronology and now that king that's the conqueror true. is involved is, who knows where all the timelines have gone <laughs> is is ultraman zero Anne's son hmm. we need to we need to ask some questions and we are we, we shipping some, we need some answers oh we're shipping all right we're shipping dang it amen yeah. did you also um, know yeah. borgs bleed bubbles they say that do. five times fast Borgs oh, bleed that's another bubbles. thing. Borgs bleed bubbles. This this whole show, they don't have fog machines. They use bubble machines for all of their weird, trippy dream sequences. Which is great. And it's really fun and weird and definitely a unique touch for Ultra 7. Check it out. Can Borgs solve CAPTCHAs? That is a good Ye- question. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, because they're collective. Oh, my gosh. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I'm going to read about my boy. My boy. Oh, this this one. Chris, you have a story about this, this one. This one worked right? out for me. Huh? Didn't you? Do yeah, I? I thought you had a story about this one. 
Well, I can tell it in a second. <laughs> um, episode 28, the 700 kilometer run, uh, which I don't know if that's far or not. <laughs> a day off from the Ultra Guard inspired Stan to think of a way to elude any enemies that may attempt to steal a new explosive device that they need to transport. Going undercover at a road race with the weapon in their car, the one Dan put there, Dan and Amagi <laughs> discover that one of the competitors is a human bomb. <laughs> After another trap nearly kills them, it becomes clear that they are under siege. Dan successfully finds and shoots the foe, but Amagi is paralyzed with fear due to an old trauma. This is the first episode of Ultraman that wasn't Ultraman Z that I've ever watched. Wow, that's a and good one. I only watched the last couple of episodes because I was going on to the Tokushatsu app on um, Pluto TV or whatever. Yeah. And I saw this um, beautiful creature riding upon a tank. Yes. And I was like, where the has <laughs> this boy been my entire life? This big boy treaded his way into my heart <laughs> and he has never once left. This is like, I have the Kid Taro little... Um, What's the little things called the ultra vinyls? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I could get a second ultra vinyl, it'd be this boy. Oh man, I fully agree. I, I this episode's great. Although I did, I was like, specifically, it's, he's like, yeah, my childhood trauma is a, a fireworks factory blew up next to me and like <laughs> murdered my entire neighborhood. It's like, couldn't it just be like cars? Like I'm, I'm scared <laughs> of cars. It was like no. specifically like explosions. And then also the ultimate reveal of the episode isn't the tank, which is frankly my big reveal. But the whole mm -hmm. reveal is mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. Actually, we concocted this whole scenario to like immersion therapy you into not being afraid of bombs anymore. Yeah. Bro. And the bomb wasn't even well, in how your do you, car the How whole do you time. get thrown over bombs? And he's like, wow, I'm so thankful that you like did this to me and made me think I was about to die from an explosion, which is like my deep, true phobia. But okay, thanks, bud. Yeah, I'm not as much afraid of bombs as I am of dying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Specifically fiery deaths. I don't know. I have like a big fear of that, but okay, bud. Just, I know it's irrational, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I'm fine. This is fine. Um, uh, the dinosaur tank is so good. It's reveal because at that point you're kind of expecting the show to just kind of like end without a big kaiju fight. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, you get lulled into a false sense of security. They're like, Oh, we're going to test this explosive. And you're like, Oh, well they'll have like one big, like final explosion thing. No, not at all. A mountain rips open and you see a dinosaur head and they're like, Oh, it's a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And then the mountain rips away a little bit more and there's tank tread that suddenly show up and they're like, Oh, it must be their mobile fortress. And uh, it, it, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> like it's so it's the most wild jump from like standard, like, you know, episode to monster reveal that has ever happened. And for this to be your first Ultraman like episode proper to watch is like this good stuff. That's but even great... worse than that. I only saw the part where he emerged from the yeah, mountain. So I didn't know this episode was that <laughs> oh. episode. I didn't put these two together until I watched it. <laughs> episode 29, the Earthling all alone. At UG headquarters, the team learns about a new satellite from Dr. Niwa, a false identity, and is in truth a spy. Worse yet, with alleged superhuman abilities, Dan suspects him to be an alien. Soga is sent to spy on the spy, 
Hmm. Whoa. Under the oh. pretense of visiting his fiance, who believes she'd seen this alien before. The fiance, Seiko, tells Soga what she knows about Niwa and his assistant, Ichino Mia. I had <laughs> I had a real hard time following this episode, I'll be frank. When I Hi, when Frank. I was first watching it, like I <laughs> Hello, hi. Yeah, I'll be Rob and agree with you. <laughs> okay, thank goodness. Like at least the first, like the first half I like fully got. I understood what was happening. Um, like I really like uh Soga as like the sharpshooter, like you know, cool guy, especially because we get to see him do some fun stuff in 700 kilometer. Um, but in this one, he's absolutely like smooth sailor, super cool dude. Um <laughs> I will say that the big Ultraman fight against like uh Niwa in his alien form uh, in that weird void dimension space thing that I'm not exactly sure I understand what was happening <laughs> uh, is so cool and stark because it's a full black background and all the buildings around them are melting and like turning to glass. And I like I know that like on purpose he was trying to bump into things to make them break, but it looks like Dan was kind of drunk fighting a little bit because he's just knocking over buildings and they're making this like cracking glass sound, which is again stark and visually interesting. But I I didn't quite understand like what like it was like his interdimensional portal to get back home took Dan there, and then I would say yeah like I. I must have I missed how <laughs> what happened. <laughs> what about you, other Rob? Did you make more sense of it? We went from Shins to Niwa. Yeah. No, also, I was totally confused. <laughs> I'm, like, reading this thing. I'm, like, rewinding and trying to follow, yeah. and I'm, like, spies on spies. I can't. <laughs> it's It's such a weird episode. The first, like, right off the bat, we know someone's an alien. There's no like yeah. suspense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we figure that out. But Ultra Seven legitimately would have lost at the end. Yeah. Without any intervention. Like we're seeing more and more episodes like this. I remember well, I, I the cold. Like I say I remember <laughs> it was it just released today, but Ultra Seven episode that we did, number one, you know, uh Kyle talks about how Ultra Seven starts out really, you know, overpowered, but you know, this batch of episodes really solidifies the fact that like ultra seven needs the ultra guard to win yeah. these battles. And I Ab- like that. Absolutely. It's, it's nice. I don't feel like we get that as often with the original series, not until the end. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I do like that. I like the idea of someone wanting to leave the earth, but not also wanting to destroy it in the process. That kind of yeah. makes me think of like a lot of these X movements, like X evangelical, where it's like you can not want to be a part of that, but not want to nuke it in the process. But. Hey everyone, this is the first of hopefully many patron appreciation segments. What we're doing here is just giving a shout out to everyone who has already partnered with us uh, in our Patreon, where we are taking the money uh, that we are receiving and giving it to the Ultraman Foundation charity. As a result, you get early access to our episodes among a few other perks. So we want to thank Kiyoi Toshi, uh, Faye, Mel, Joe, Wesley, and Eli. 
your donations are greatly appreciated and we are confident that this is going to be used for something very very good to help the kids over there in japan in the meantime if you're not aware of what we're doing here or maybe you're interested you want to partner with us you can head over to our patreon at patreon.com slash pod now back to the show Okay, everyone, so awards time. We're going to go ahead and start with Most Beautiful Kaiju Award. And Rob, if you could start us out here. Thank goodness I get to go first because I feel like other people are going to pick him. But I got to go Don't with that. I got to do it. I got to go with that dino tank. It's the most Amen. spectacular, visually stunning, and weird monster design because it a, comes out of entirely left field. I'll say... I'll say this. Niwa's alien form is technically the most beautiful like alien design, but I I have to I have to give it to the dinosaur tank because it's like it's so iconic and I've seen pictures of it for like years now and I was just like, wow, what a strange thing. <laughs> I wonder what the lore behind like what why what is that? Why is it like that? And the question was answered with a because that's it. <laughs> when a daddy dinosaur exactly and a mommy it. tank fall in tank love. love each other mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. Mm-hmm. It's so outlandish and so weird uh, that I I think it might be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Bra- brought like honestly tearing up. Your girlfriend's not in the room, right? Yeah. Well, she she <laughs> well she she left quickly after I said that, but. Um, <laughs> I but we did watch of most of the episode the together. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Dinosaur Tank runner-up was Niwa, and third runner-up is the weird slug monster from the Ice episode for me. There we go. That's my that's the my monsters ink. That's monster. my tier list, and then maybe Iron Rocks underneath that because I love dilapidation. <laughs> dilapidation, no it's, breathing. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, listen, y'all can't drive out in the middle of nowhere, Texas for any amount of time without coming across a farm that's been abandoned for nearly a hundred years that's fallen in on itself, but like still maintains some of that like structure. It's like, like vines and stuff growing on it. It's just beautiful. That's the kind of town, especially I grew after up a in. rain. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Love dilapidation. Send me somewhere where there's rust and holes in walls. <laughs> what about Amen. you, Chris? Obviously, the Dino Tank. Yes, yes Dino Tank is yes, my most beautiful yes. kaiju from Ultra Seven. Okay. Yes, yes. He yes, would be. Yes, he's like S tier. There's Pigmon and Dino Tank or S tier. Absolutely, a hundred percent crossover needed. In the words of Strong Bad, does the S stand for sucks? Oh, wow! Sh- I'm booting you because yeah, uh, I had. You're going into GT prison. I had a pretty close tie, so <laughs> I I have this thing for bird kaiju because bim star is my favorite kaiju of all time so i went with star bim gear on maybe because like i said it's got that bim in there makes him sound like this jewish rabbi uh but alien pole isn't technically a kaiju but alien pole Mm. was up there alien pole did you see the have you seen the like uh official art and the like toys of alien pole i bet they're disturbing 
Oh, truly. It's got pigmon lips. It's really good. And their their fin heads I'm interested. are way bigger. It's not just like a single like triangle point. It's like a big flat. All you had to say like teardrop. Was pigmon and lips. And Chris is just like, what? 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 <laughs> pigmon lips is like a good band name. Oh, yes, it is. I you probably get sued, Bariah, but uh oh. Where you get a good snack? Pigmon <laughs> lips. All right. Monster Graveyard Award. Chris, what'd you do? Uh, when the one that killed the dog died, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh Frick. The, it was was it the best one? Yes, because it was the most emotionally cathartic. Oh, yeah. Fair. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say the dog was. Those who spill the blood of a dog must okay. have their own blood spilled. Hmm? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh. Blessed is he who smashes the head <laughs> of the rock kaiju against the rock. Yeah. Ultra Psalm 137. Hey, Chris. Oh. Hmm. Edward. <laughs> Wait, what? Edward. Wait, I know oh. what's from. What is that from? <laughs> I heard something else the first time. <laughs> uh, full metal. Oh, oh, no. No. <laughs> Cancel yeah, well. a podcast. Shut it all down. <laughs> oh, there's no Chimera Kaiju. <laughs> Man. Yeah, oh, I had Lord. to uh I had to go with Starbem. I mean, like, he gets one ring dot one excuse me. So he gets one wing ripped off. He's knocked yeah. over by the wing. He yes. rolls around in his own feathery entrails. And then yes. Seven just Same. slits his throat in the middle of a field yeah. of flowers as the feathery entrails float down the river. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Just the way mm. Jesus wanted it. <laughs> when I was, watch, uh, I was watching that with my girlfriend, she, she said, do you think they like purposely made like the, the like beak look like a bald eagle? Like, is that like, you know, like a, a jab? Ooh. Uh, you know? At us, and I was like, "America could be." She could be on the next episode. <laughs> I she was on. Uh, she did guest host one of our alternate dimension uh, Tokyo signal or Tokyo Lives episodes where we were doing a small monsters podcast for April Fools. Oh wow, that was fun. What um, did you choose, Rob? Okay, uh, I actually went with uh, Gabura mm-hmm. uh, because it's like the most. Okay, so like uh, the. What's the slugger? Oh my gosh. I slugger. Of his, I slugger, right? That's like the the finishing blow for monsters. And every single time it's like whoop, it just like cuts off the arm for fun, cuts off the other arm for fun, and then decapitates the monster. And it's usually like, wow, really like excessively violent. But uh Gabura has some fight in him, let me tell you. Uh, because he gets decapitated. Then his head drooling with new venom, which just shows up, uh, floats up and starts attacking Ultra 7 afterwards. And they have to like, he has to blow up the alien spaceship. But like the the design is really fun. I love like anything that has like kaijus that have lion's manes are always good. But the fact that this one could be beheaded by the eye slugger and keep going and like, I'm going to fight you. Uh, it, it definitely merely a flush wound. It, it mm-hmm. pinged of uh of uh the boar from uh me uh, uh the Miyazaki movie uh Princess Mononoke. Oh yeah, that's 
Or even the mother wolf when her head gets shot off and she's just like, like gaw, 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 gaw. Yeah. Pac-Man's the woman's arm off. Didn't you choose uh, oh Gabara in The Rise of Ultraman, Chris? Did I what? Because he was in the comic. Did, Did I yeah, choose him? Didn't you choose him for that episode? Oh, that's yeah. right. Oh. I, I'm glad you listen to me better than I do. <laughs> uh, so how in the heck did he get away with that award? I went with episode 22, Human Farms. Uh, it's time for the ace up my sleeve, which is when <laughs> Dan just explodes the expensive jet so he can become Ultra 7. Yes, he immediately. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I mean, you know, budgetary expenses be damned, right? <laughs> Damn, what happened? I got tired and I exploded. That's the third one this week. <laughs> Bud, please. All right, what about your up? Mm-hmm. Uh, same episode, but very different reason. Uh, oh, no. So, okay. Dan and the doctor are standing in a room with their their uh, their K-I-S-S-I-N-G. lady colleagues. Their lady colleagues being uh, dechromosomed by the spore that's uh, ballooning somehow. Is it? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, there's, uh, oh, and the captain is there too. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it's just, there's only one thing that can cure them. And it's a uh, radioactive rock from outer space on, on Saturn. It's 17, it would be a 17 hour flight if we were to fly on our spaceship. Dan and the captain are the only two people to hear that. And then Dan goes like, all right, I'm going to crash a spaceship real quick. I'll be back. And then <laughs> yeah. Ultra 7 shows up at their front door and says, here you go. Here's your magical rock that you need. And they just know that Ultra 7 is going to go get it. Like they're like, Ab- mm-hmm. oh, don't worry. Ultra 7 will take care of that. Now I that mean, we've fought the bad guys. At this point, I think it's pretty clear. Kiriyama knows Dan is Ultra 7. Oh, there's, there's, enough, there's enough signaling going on that he, yeah he's suspicious glances and looks yeah because there's a few times where like something will happen to dan and captain's like no don't worry about it like yeah he knows that's true it's gonna be okay but that's fair just like shin <laughs> okay now you're just like shoehorning shin in no Remember every time he was just like, they're like, I think Shin's dead. And they're like, well, we'll worry about that later. Chris, don't worry. He's just a statue. We shouldn't worry about Chris, it. That, was a, that yeah. was a joke. Shoe? Shoehorn? <laughs> oh, I thought it. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm actually making a good point for once in my life. <laughs> anyway, I also had to choose Ultra 7 moving at the speed of plot. <laughs> okay. My big, my big problem for me is that it's also like for the rest of the show, anytime Dan doesn't just go like, uh, I'm sick to my stomach. I've got to go to the bathroom. Walk, <laughs> show up there. Walk outside it's quicker than Jupiter. and then just fly to go save his friend before his like plane explodes. Like it's like <laughs> I would imagine you're pooping for ten minutes. You've got a window. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a real bad one. I had bad fast food bad sushi. Poop. And I've got, I'm gonna be in the bathroom for the next thirty to forty five minutes. Don't ask any <laughs> oh questions or come into the bathroom this is before TikTok. And then he <laughs> would leave. But like the thing is, it's like it removes uh, a distance tension, and distance tension is essentially that. It's like we can't get to from point A to point B fast enough, or if we tried, we could maybe just barely make it. We're on a ticking clock. This episode removes the ticking clock forever. Because he can fly to mm. Saturn and back 
in under 17 hours so he can go real fast. Yep. You want to see me do it again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good episode of SpongeBob. I was. Uh, <laughs> all right. Aim for its butthole. Rob, you're up. Oh, it's not a funny one. It's a serious one. And I really like it. Oh, don't tell me. Uh, I think we might have all picked this one. Nope. Uh, but uh, that's a sad I... marathon that you keep running as you cough up blood. Uh, when oh, Dan talking about the, the R1 missile and like basically everyone at the Ultra Guard being like, oh, yeah, then we'll make an R2 and then we'll be even more powerful. and We'll protect ourselves from even more aliens. And, and like and everyone's salivating. Yeah, the everyone's salivating over the chance of making this super big mega explosive, mm-hmm. and he is the one person, and you see him in the background immediately out of like, and they do a great job of like, you know, uh, uh, basically blocking so that every single face is viewable, but there's a person kind of in front of half of Dan's face, so you can't see him fully, but he's in the back with his arms crossed, just sternly looking mm. forward and everyone else is like yeah all right so before you even get to that iconic line you already know exactly where dan's gonna be mm. good stuff good good stuff how about you christopher i had to if there's a line that i didn't need to write down is that one <laughs> the funny bad translations i have to write down this one i was like hey. <laughs> yeah i think i'm yeah obviously the only one who did a funny one so, yeah, I went <laughs> yeah. with uh, Professor Niwa from episode 29. The chair you currently sit in is no simple chair. <laughs> it's, That's good. Yeah, that episode gets so trippy and yeah. weird. I, I'm really struggling with funny lines from Ultra 7 compared to Ultraman. Yeah, like, I am Gingo too. too. That's why I didn't feel bad about choosing this. Yeah. It's... It, it definitely, and that's one of the things when I first started watching it, um, when I first started watching uh, Ultra 7, uh, you know, there was like two things that kind of bothered me. Uh, the first that really jumped out to me was I was like, man, it's like kind of starting in, in media res over and over again. The first like five episodes are basically just like, you know, like there's no setup. It's just like, and now we're at a, you know, mansion where uh, a guy has a weird rock and he's a, a space monster now. You know, it just kind of like just moves at like too fast of a pace. And I was kind of like, what is this supposed? Is this a kid's show or is this supposed to be more aimed at adults? And now having watched a lot more of the episodes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, right. Sorry. That's the, that's the, the award section. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think the, I think, I, I, I do think that it rides that line of like being a lot more adult themed, you know, not like specifically, it's not like just for adults, but it it doesn't have the wackiness Mm -hmm. that I kind of expected from watching like, you know, a little bit of Ultraman and watching Ultra, uh, or Ultraman Z. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is kind of, I'm, you know, like maybe like you'll have one serious episode. You well, know? and if you watch or Ultra like, Q, too, it, it is very quirky yeah. at times. Yeah. And Ultra Q does have like episodes where it's just like the the straits are dire. But like the, the, turtle the characters. Episode. Turtle guy. Like, <laughs> like the turtle episode. Um, 
but no, like specifically like the like the Biolante episode where there's just like, yeah, there's a giant plant that drinks blood and it's destroying like an entire like Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um but the characters maintain like a consistent kind of like wacky, whimsical nature to them. The whimsicalness in this episode is definitely dialed back. Um, not like that's not a negative. It's just like that's I can definitely see why having an an award for like the goofiest line would be harder and harder to fill. <laughs> I did almost choose. Let me see if I can pull it up here. It was. The mission was successfully complete. Like, <laughs> could it have been unsuccessfully complete or yeah. successfully Yeah, have you ever heard incomplete? of George W. Bush? <laughs> oh, got him. <laughs> got him. All right. Mission accomplished. Chris. I really want to Photoshop Ultraman saying in front of the mission accomplished sign. Ultra 7. But then you just like you see like the ultra guards like standing around him just like, hmm. <laughs> Are you holding a finger up, Chris? Do that. I'm giving him the good idea. Oh, okay, I can only see your finger. <laughs> finger guns. Oh, oh yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my pointer. I love how it's how you index. like get up to look as if yeah. If you got tall, I you can see over his butt. I know. It's the over my. Oh man. I know that was <laughs> the viewers at home are so confused right now. <laughs> I can't. There's. Some gags are purely visual. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris, what was your favorite episode? 700 kilometers. Good choice. Thank you. Good choice. A 700 kilometer run. And by favorite episode, I mean favorite last 10 minutes. <laughs> what about you, Rob? Same. Exactly the same. For a handful of reasons. First off, rally racing is so fun. If you haven't just like spent any amount of time watching rally car racing, highly recommend it. If you're if you're looking for a starter, look up Volvo Rally Racing in Sweden. It is the most fun you'll ever have. Oh, I'll get right over there. It's it's they're on like YouTube, their whole YouTube clips of like you know races, and it's just like these kind of underpowered cars going buck wild through these like hmm. backwoods like dirt roads. It's so fun. But the other thing. Obviously, we've got the best kaiju ever, Dinosaur Tank. Love him. But there's another reason that I love this episode so, so much. They have a, a infinitely better version of the theme song for Ultraman 7 play. And it's like this cool, jazzy, funky Ultra 7. And it's so good. And like, I'm going to be real with you after the first three or four episodes, I started skipping the intro. I was like, I got to skip like two minutes in every episode because there's just something about like a minute 30 of just seven, 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 seven. I just like, I can't do it. Like it's like do once. It's like cute and fun. It's got like, you know, it's kids chanting. It's like the, the actors that all are disharmonized singing it. It's fun and cute, but man, like a, like a minute and 30 of that just looping. It's like, oh my gosh. So yes, I love, I love that episode so much for all three of those reasons. It's fun. It's wacky. It's weird. It's got all these kinds of things that I love. And very specifically, I want to take that, ultra seven theme and put it the intro of every episode 
Hey, Rob, I hear your opinion about that. Yeah. I disagree. I love the wow. actual theme. GT Prison. No, wow. the uh, the song you're talking about is, <laughs> yeah, it's the jazz rendition. It's great. But I just, I don't know. The, the original theme's catchy, and I wouldn't change a thing. Hey. I, also, I, I chose a I different episode you. than y'all. <gasps> what? So, Why? I had Super Weapon R1 as my favorite overall. But actually, oh, yes. my runner-up is probably one that would surprise most people. It's Showdown at 140 degrees below zero. Ooh, because yeah. It's one of the only episodes I've seen so far where I actually feel like there were real stakes. Like, yeah. it legitimately yeah, felt fair. like, oh, no, what's going to happen if they don't win here? Like, yeah. I, I knew it was going to happen, but it just legitimately, like, you're seeing people falling over. It was a much more intimate episode, yeah. and I loved that. So, I mean, if, if Super Weapon R1 wasn't in this match, that actually would have been... My yeah i fully agree like the stakes are extremely high people are yeah keeling over in the like you know tons of people um also you got windham playing around and that's always or not windham no no, no uh meekless 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 mm. that's always really fun to see any like of the capsule uh pokemon kaiju show up yep um but yeah two very solid choices <laughs> All right, Chris, you ready to preach to us? <gasps> Am I ever? All right, here we go. Okay, so in the garden, the serpent is the one who tempts Adam and Eve. And then God makes this prophecy to the serpent. And he says that someday the son of the woman will crush the head of the serpent after the serpent bruises the heel of the sun. And of course, that's played out in Jesus. Satan, the serpent, bruises the heel of Jesus when he dies. And then he comes back to life to bruise the head or to crush the head of the snake. But we also learn in Romans 16 that the church collectively will crush the head of the serpent under our feet, just as Ultraman, who himself ascended to the sun in a sight of resurrection to gain his powers back like Superman. He takes the Ultra Guard, and the Ultra Guard is like the church. Just like the church crushes the head of the snake, so too the Ultra Guard comes together to help Ultra 7 crush the head of the Kaiju. I don't want to be that guy, but you accidentally said Ultraman one time instead of Ultra 7. Ooh. Ultraman. Canceled. Uh, if, that's, if, if that's the thing that makes people think I'm a fake fan... <laughs> They must have tuned into this episode at a minute 20 or an hour 27 <laughs> and not the time that I guessed Godzilla every year, except the Godzilla <laughs> year it came out. <laughs> oh man. Where do, where do Southern Baptist uh, snake handlers fit into that though? With ultra seven. I thought You'll have to tune into next week. Okay. Wait, all are right. Snake handlers more Pentecostal or are they Southern Baptist? I, uh, I didn't think it was. Well, wait, no, because, Oh my gosh, wait, is it Pentecostal? I should know yeah, that. That's my family. Be. That's my lineage. <laughs> my my like there's there's a church in Pennsylvania founded by my great grandfather. It's a Pentecostal oh, church. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got snakes there, there's your answer. Uh, they don't have snakes. They're no they they there was a it was a pretty standard seeming church when I went to visit. They were mice <laughs> handlers. Oh yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> oh. When you give a mice the gospel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll feed them for life. Because <laughs> they eat. Feed them for eternal life. All right, they're very tiny stomachs. 
Rob, Rob, Rob. Rob. <laughs> Rob, 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 Rob. Yes. What an episode. First he was Rob, then he was Frank, then he was real, and now he's yes. Rob. What an episode. <laughs> Let the people know where can they find you online and in real life. Like, what's your address, Bob? Oh, so, okay, you can find <laughs> me. yourself. <laughs> uh, well, in the ether, you can find me online uh, at uh, TokyoLivesPodcast.com uh, or TokyoLivesCast.com uh, or, you know, download the episodes anywhere you download your favorite episodes. Uh, and uh, you'll hear my lovely voice pretty regularly. Uh, you can also check out uh, our, our our Tokyo Signals episodes, which are fully helmed by me if you want extra Rob content. Uh, and if you're looking for me in person, I do accept challenges to duels, but I, you know, I'm kind of booked right now. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, send me a postcard via pigeon. They'll know how to find me. <laughs> they always do. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, um, yeah, I, I hope, I hope that everyone, had fun and uh i hope that you're all taking care of yourselves and uh having a, a lovely evening wherever you are oh but what if they're living listening in the morning does that mean they don't have a good morning well, well they, we don't want them to have anything but an evening uh, well no that's the thing is like every time a tokyo lives host goes on to another podcast it always ends up being the longest episode of that podcast uh i don't know if that's going to be true for this specific episode it is but true. I, I tried I tried. <laughs> it is true. We're content machines. Our after darks end up lasting for like four hours now. <laughs> Can content machines solve captures? No, not anymore. I get too nervous. I'm like, is that part of a oh. street sign? I don't know. It's so blurry. <laughs> okay, Rob, can you let the listeners know which episodes of Ultra 7 they should be watching for our next episode? Absolutely. The next episode will be covering Ultra 7 episodes 30 through 38. Glory for whom? To the courageous battle. I appreciated the whom. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I really want a whom. You gotta whom. Whenever you see a whom. Also, add ST to the end of things. It's really fun. Whomst. Glorist. Yeah. Yeah. The courageous, courageous battles. Courageous. Whomst. Thank you for tuning it's in. Saved by the Bellyolst is a proud partner of the tech. <laughs> All right. Nailed it. Mm, nailed it. Okay. <laughs> okay, everyone. Thank the. <laughs> God, I'm so over it. Oh, I did yeah? it. I did it. <laughs> the show's over, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Saved by the Belial is a. Wait. Saved by the Belial is a proud partner of the Tokusatsu Network. The premier yeah, premier news website for all things tokusatsu related. If you're enjoying our show, we humbly ask that you chant our name over at Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review. Most important, wait, more uh, more important than that, uh, more important than the reviews. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's sharing your thoughts on the on an episode we covered, uh, if we made a mistake, <laughs> or if you just want to chat. You can send us an email at atrociouspod. Uh, yeah, atrociouspod at protonmail.com or head over to atrociouspod.com 
where you'll find our contact form for listener feedback and even prayer requests. Until next time. May Sevenger watch over you, Wyndham empower you, and King Joe bring you joy. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can actually use your voice. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it. I'm just literally like, this show is over. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Chuck Bad says it's over. Oh, that was so fun. Ultra Seven's great. It's like, uh, it's my new, like, bedtime routine. Brush your teeth, Ultra 7. Absolutely. Like, it's yeah. really the Ultra Guard mm-hmm. picking up yeah. the slack. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I think that's probably one of the most interesting things is that, yeah, specifically in this, shh, like, batch. Shh, and shh, it exploded. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fine. We only have one. We can't waste it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hoot. It's very good. <laughs> I just like, I've been kind of enjoying the non, I said this last episode, but I've been enjoying the non um, kaiju villains too. So this 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 round of 10 had some of the most unique and some of the most interesting. Oh, yeah. oh guys with cool helmets is the theme of <laughs> yeah. this, uh, of this, this part. Uh, this whole block. Yeah. Yeah. That iron rocked. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Um, yeah. Uh I I thought it was a hoot. I loved it. All right, Chris, your turn. I think we're struggling not seeing the three minutes. And we don't hear the thing anymore. Oh wait, yeah. Did you do the oh. timer? I never yeah. heard that go oh, off. Oh my god. Yeah, so that's why I was saying shh. Sorry. It it wasn't set on oh. live, it was set on preview. I am so oh. sorry. Oh, oh no, I'm sense. so s- no, you're I, good. I thought you were shushing me. And we I was thought like, you were like being oh, weird. No, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. I thought you were about to. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, no, no I never heard the timer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, you, you're just like, has he listened to this no, show? What's funny? I mean, that you actually ended it at a very, I can edit that out so you don't even hear that. So we're good. <laughs>